Welcome to the Dr. Dez Says It's All Your Immunity podcast. Your 12 most pressing questions about the new COVID-19 vaccines are answered. Over the past few weeks, I've received questions about the new COVID-19 vaccines, COVID-19 symptoms, the variants, as well as questions about the points raised in previous episodes. To open the new year, I decided to devote the first question and answer episode to answering your most frequently asked questions about the vaccines. In upcoming episodes, I will answer your questions about the virus itself and what we know about it entering 2021. So sit back as I answer your questions about the new coronavirus vaccines. But before we begin, I want to give you one disclaimer. I am not giving medical advice. All medical decisions need to be made by you, your doctor, and any close circle of friends and family who are your advisors. I am giving you the latest CDC recommendations and my knowledge of the science of vaccine development and vaccination. Question number one is from John on Twitter. He writes, I have allergies to many antibiotics. When I take them, I get a rash on my chest, back, and arms. Should I get the vaccine or opt out because of my condition? Well, first of all, John, these vaccines and antibiotics are two different types of therapeutics. So, for instance, just because you have these allergies to antibiotics doesn't mean you can't take a cough and cold medication or a Tylenol. It just means you have a reaction to antibiotics. If you do not experience an anaphylactic reaction, such as closing of your airway, emergency room intervention, uh, the need for intubation, uh, or ventilation, then professionals do not anticipate major problems with these vaccines. If you have had an allergic reaction in the past, it is recommended that you stay for an additional 15 minutes at your vaccination site. And if you've had more severe reactions, stay an additional 30 minutes at the site. There, if anything happens, they will have an epinephrine pen available or what they call an EpiPen. If you receive the vaccine outside of a physician's office, make sure they have this EpiPen on site and ready to use for you. Question number two. Are these vaccines safe for children? Leah on Twitter. Well, Leah, that depends on the age. Uh, Or right now, that depends on the age. The Moderna vaccine tested adults 18 years or older in their clinical trials, while the Pfizer vaccine tested uh, people 15 years and up. 
Uh, what normally happens is whatever that initial recommendation is follows uh, the age uh, of the participants in the clinical trial. So as of now, those are the ages approved for the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. As time progresses, companies will test younger ages of people or younger groups of people for their vaccine product in the future. So testing continues. Question number three. I've had the flu vaccine. Should I take, should I be taking the COVID-19 vaccine, Stephanie? Okay, as of the airing of this episode, the CDC recommends two weeks or 14 days that you stagger the time between the taking of the vaccine and the taking of your uh, previous vaccine or um, medication. Just stagger it. Uh, if you are uh, on a course of vaccines, Wait until that concludes, then begin your COVID vaccine. Question four is from Michelle on Twitter. What happens if someone has COVID-19 but doesn't know it and gets the vaccine? Would it make your infection worse? How could you tell if you had the symptoms of the vaccine or the infection? Well, there is overlap between symptoms of the vaccine and symptoms of the initial um, COVID-19 infection. And this overlap includes um, fever, headache, uh, fatigue. So you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell the difference. It is all right, however, that you have both. The hope with any vaccine is that you mount an immune response in the form of an antibody production. So theoretically, the vaccine is helping your body fight the infection by helping it mount an immune response. So no, having both at the same time should not hurt and in fact may help you not having more severe infection. The CDC recommendation is that people who have had mild symptoms of the disease still get the vaccine. The vaccine may help you mount a more potent response to the SARS coronavirus 2 in the future. Have a physician or a medical practitioner monitor you closely. Question number five, and this is from Lainey. She writes, I am over 70 years old. Is there a vaccine that works significantly better in my age group? Well, Lainey, congratulations on being 70. All of these messenger RNA vaccines that have been approved for emergency use authorization in the U.S. are between uh, 94.1 and 95% effective. The worry for any vaccine developer historically speaking, is that vaccines tend to be less effective the older the age group in question. But with the Pfizer vaccine and its clinical trial results, the study indicated that 95% of 
efficacy was achieved across all age groups tested, including those people above 65 years of age. The Moderna vaccine was slightly less effective in that age group, 93 to 94% efficacy. But during uh, the presentation to the Food and Drug Administration's advisory committee, Moderna explained that the numbers could have been influenced by the fact that there were fewer cases of people in their clinical trials at that age group. But the difference between both of the uh, messenger RNA vaccines is negligible, and both are highly effective among older adults. It really shouldn't make a difference. Question six from Jerome. I am a 48-year-old male and have diabetes, hypertension, and am overweight. When is the vaccine going to be made available for me? In the United States, the first groups to receive the vaccine are healthcare workers and those in long-term care facilities, and they will remain the first priority to get vaccinated. They number at about 24 million people. Next, the CDC Advisory Committee on Vaccination recommended that essential workers such as teachers, police, and food workers get vaccinated, followed by adults with underlying conditions that put them at high risk and seniors 65 years and older. However, as of the airing of this episode, There have only been seven-tenths of one percent of the U.S. population that have been vaccinated. And the 24 million people in that first group is far from being uh, vaccinated. So it could be many months for people with underlying conditions, such as yourselves, to receive the vaccine, even with a more concentrated ramping up of the distribution. A lot of it will depend on uh, the infrastructure set up by state and local governments and the amount of money they are allotted uh, by the federal government to do this. Question number seven. This is from Chris. He writes, what are the side effects of the vaccine? Well, in clinical trials, test subjects reported symptoms ranging from arm soreness and fatigue to slight fever and headache. Um, The severity of the symptoms seem to have increased in some test subjects after the second dose. So that's something you should watch out for. Question number eight. Am I immune to COVID-19 after one dose of the two-dose vaccine? And this is from James on Twitter. Theoretically speaking, you have some immunity after the first dose, but this is 50% of the total effectiveness of the vaccine you are taking. So you would need both doses of the two-dose vaccine to have the vaccine confer full immunity onto you. This is a perfect time to review these different vaccines. Both the Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech vaccines 
require two shots, a priming dose followed by a booster shot. The interval between the Moderna doses is 28 days. For the Pfizer vaccine, it's 21 days. There is also the one that has been approved in the UK from the vaccine developer AstraZeneca. Of course, that one is only one dose, so you don't have to worry about any follow-up with that vaccine. Question number nine. If I have one dose from Moderna, can I get my second dose from Pfizer? And this is from Rochelle on Twitter. While the vaccines are very similar, both have the messenger RNA that encodes for the SARS coronavirus 2 spike proteins, and both are encased in a lipid nanoparticle, which is just a fat substance that the messenger RNA is packaged in uh, that allows it to get into your cell. So even though they're both quite similar, uh, the question would be, is there a high chance of harm if you kind of mix the two doses? Theoretically, because they're so similar, no. However, neither was tested in clinical trials using this method. Therefore, technically, you have what they call an unauthorized use of an authorized therapeutic. I will keep very close in dose, time, and in which vaccine you are administered twice. There are things you can ask your healthcare provider or vaccine administrator, and you can make sure you're getting the right dosing at the appropriate time interval, as well as assuring that you're getting the same vaccine, either both from Moderna or both from Pfizer. Question 10. If I get the vaccine, am I immune for life? Can I stop wearing masks? <laughs> Tiffany on Twitter. Okay, Tiffany. Both vaccines, the Moderna and the Pfizer ones so far that have been approved in the United States, seem to reduce the risk of severe COVID-19 disease. It's not known if vaccinated people can transmit the virus by shedding it when they do become infected but don't show symptoms. There is also not enough data to know if the vaccines confer uh, long-term or lifetime immunity to the coronavirus or would you need a new vaccine or a new vaccination every year like with the flu shot. So in the meantime, until we can get more data, it is best, even after you have received your vaccination, it is best to continue to wear masks, social distance, and keep your nucleus of contact small until there is more data on the virus and these vaccines. Okay. Question number 11. Because these vaccines are RNA, will that fundamentally change my genetic makeup? Dolores on Facebook. Okay, 
messenger RNA are the instructions to your cell on how to make a piece of the viral spike protein that is unique uh, to SARS coronavirus 2. Since only a part of the viral protein is made, it does not do any harm to the person because it doesn't contain any part of a killed or altered virus. So that's number one. You're not getting the virus itself. You're getting a synthetic part of a protein that a virus would use. After the piece of the spike protein is made, your cell has the instruction to break down the messenger RNA strand and dispose of it using the enzymes in your cell. The messenger RNA strand never enters your cell's nucleus, so it cannot affect your genetic material, and therefore it cannot alter your genetic makeup. In this regard, the assertion that it can change your fundamental genetic makeup is completely false. Okay, our last question and... Okay, this was kind of complicated, so we decided to break this down. First, I'm going to give you the question from Beth, and it is, are these vaccines effective against the new coronavirus variants? Another part of that question, which had more to do with the viral variant itself. So what I did was answer this part of your question here, and I have decided to answer the other part of your question in an upcoming Q&A about what we know so far uh, in 2021 concerning coronavirus. Uh, but you did get my DM answering both parts of the questions. So uh, let us answer about how effective the new vaccines are against the variants. So let's talk about what do, what do we mean by the term variants. And variants are nothing more uh, than the mutations uh, that occur in the RNA. These Mutations in RNA-based viruses happen all the time. It's because the virus is making so many copies of itself in different cells that errors are bound to occur, like when you're typing or texting. Uh, but the viruses don't have spell check or autocorrect like we have. And the errors just become incorporated in the code. Um, some errors render the virus unable to replicate itself, and it dies off. Uh, some errors have the effect, or excuse me, some errors have no effect on the rate of replication, the infection rate, or the virus's virulence, which is just another word for its ability to cause severe illness or death. So everything basically stays the same, even with the mutation. 
Some errors do cause the virus to infect the cells more easily, but it doesn't necessarily cause death. However, there are some mutations that increase a virus's virulence and increases the death rate. What is feared when making vaccines is that a virus has so many sequence mutations over time that the virus is able to evade the immune system's ability or a vaccine's ability to fight it. Now, what we know so far is that the UK mutation or the variant dubbed B1.1.7 has two changes in the crucial spike protein. These changes constitute about a 1% change from the virus that first entered the human population in November of 2019. It is important to also understand that when they were mapping the genetic sequence to eventually make these vaccines, they also modeled changes that they could predict the virus itself would make. Afterwards, they incorporated the probability of those changes into the final sequence of the spike protein messenger RNA vaccine. So there would have to be substantial changes to that spike protein beyond 1%, probably beyond 10%. probably even greater than that, for the vaccines to be less effective. So let me read you uh, statements from Moderna and Pfizer. Uh, This is from Moderna. It says, quote, the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine expresses full-length spike protein of the SARS coronavirus 2 virus, allowing for the generation of neutralizing antibody responses to multiple domains of the protein. The full-length spike protein is 1,273 amino acids long, So while recent variants involved multiple mutations, for instance, up to eight amino acid changes in the spike protein of the B1.1.7 strain, these represent less than a 1% difference from the spike protein encoded by Moderna's vaccine. We continue to test the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine against new SARS-CoV-2 variants, and our expectation is that the vaccine's effectiveness will hold against them well. Likewise, Pfizer said in a statement, quote, To date, we have found consistent coverage of all the strains tested. End quote. The company also said it's now testing against the new mutant found in the UK.
AstraZeneca has also stated that its new vaccine, recently approved in the UK, is 100% effective against the new viral variants. So coupled with the fact that the efficacy of the vaccines is extremely high, there would have to be a large series of mutations in the spike protein of the virus to render the vaccines ineffective against SARS coronavirus 2. So, so far, it seems as if these new vaccines are effective against the variants. Well, that brings us to the end of our first Q&A about the new vaccines. That was a lot of fun for me, and I hope I was able to answer your questions. Remember, if you have questions about the coronavirus, the vaccines, or the immune system in general, write to me on Twitter or Facebook. I will leave the links in the show's description. Never know. Your question could be part of our show. Until next time. This is Dr. Desiree Barrett or Dr. Des. To those that follow me on the YouTube channel, it's All Your Immunity with Dr. Des. And at Twitter, at Dr. Des Says One. And as always, I wish you health and some food for thought. And remember, Dr. Des says, it's all your immunity.